Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Maker Mom podcast. Today's guest is Alma with Pink Soul Studios. I think most of you know Alma for her creative um, and wonderful mallets, custom mallets and push sticks that she makes for other makers. Um, She is really well known for supporting uh, the maker community, especially the woodworking maker community. Um, And so I think you will really enjoy learning more about her and her journey to becoming a maker um, while juggling being a stay-at-home mom. Uh, But before we get to that, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been listening to this podcast and have uh, been with me since the start. Again, this is episode 29. That just blows my mind uh, that we have had 29 episodes so far. So thank you so very much. And if you are enjoying this podcast, listening to this podcast, learning more about maker moms in the community, helping to build up this community, uh, please, please, please uh, subscribe, like, share on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. All right, with no further ado, here is Alma with Pink Soul Studios. Um, all right, so we'll go ahead and get started. If you could just give like a little bit of an introduction about uh, who you are, things you like to make, and a little bit about your, your family. Uh, yeah, my name is Alma. I have, uh, I, I, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom uh, first, and then I started to do this woodworking thing a few years back um, and came up with Pink Soul Studios. And basically, I just like, I like making anything. I I mean, I pretty much think I can make anything. Um, I realize that I'm better at making things out of wood. I feel like it's more accessible. So, um, yeah, I like making home decor stuff, uh, furniture. Um, Really, I'll try anything. So, yeah. And how many kiddos do you have? Uh, I have one. Um, Okay. He is five. He'll be six in uh, August. So. Awesome. Yeah. My oldest will be six in June. So I also have a summer, summer baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun, right? Yeah. Um, it's so bad because he never has like the friends at the, uh, like the school friends. Like he doesn't get to like celebrate while they're in school and have like little parties. Right. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah. We're actually talking about this year having um, our son's friend birthday party like in may so he can invite people from kindergarten and stuff you know and like yeah, you said, actually have people too. there <laughs> yeah we thought about that too late like we were like oh we should have done like his half birthday but yeah you know, something like that but uh <laughs> so that's a good idea maybe we should do like a may one when they're still in school <laughs> yep i mean yeah. realistically he doesn't care he just wants his friends to come to a party and have cake <laughs> and get presents like <laughs> 
yeah it's so funny my 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 parents live in Michigan and we usually have a party here in Illinois and then a party in Michigan so he's well it's usually like a week apart and he thinks he has two birthdays so when you ask him he'll say yeah I'm you know when he was three or four he's like you know I'm, I'm gonna be four today and we're like great he's like in the next week I'm gonna be five because I have a party at grandma's and I'm like no, that's not how it works <laughs> you just get two birthday parties <laughs> yeah when when my son turned three he ended up having like three parties he had one like at oh, preschool wow you know, a little celebration. And then we had one with his friends and then we had one with family. And so then he thought like he gets the number of parties for however old he is going to be turning, you know? So then when he turned four, he's like, so I get four parties or when he turned five, he gets five parties. Yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So he's, anyways, my daughter just turned three, and so, and then she'll be, you know, turning four in next January, so he, he now he's passing that on to her, telling oh, her that's course. how many number of birthday parties she right. yeah. Now it's a competition, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, let's go kind of like back a ways. What was your childhood like? What kind of things were you interested in? Um, you know, did your family play a role in some of that? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I, I came from a pretty artistic home. I, my mom is really artistic and my grandfather was more of like the DIYer before it was like really DIY, right? Like he was always into something and he never wanted to spend money. So I think I get a little bit from the two, you know, um, and, and, um, like my grandmother was really into music and, and also being, you know, creative. Um, so from a very young age, like, I think I was in kindergarten, you know, like five, when I decided that I would be an artist, you know, and that's, I didn't know what that really meant. I just really loved to like paint. I had an easel. And, um, so I wanted to be an artist. And, um, you know, my, my whole family always encouraged that throughout my whole life growing up. Um, I don't know that any of us knew what it really meant. Um, you know, it was like, oh, she wants to be an artist. Cool. You know, um, and you know, no one, uh, really no one discouraged me. Um, so I actually went to, um, I went to college for graphic design. Um, I didn't finish because it was too much, just too much structure. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I kind of have that, a little bit of that background and then, and then just being around, like growing up with my grandfather, um, and him showing me a lot of, you know, how to do things. And, um, I was in my twenties, early twenties when I got to spend time with him and help him, uh, with stuff. But, um, yeah, I've always just thought I could make stuff. And I think it was because of my family always encouraging me. Like they never, there was never an issue of like, you can't do that. You know, you're a girl and you can't do that. You're too small. You know, it was oh, okay. Here, here's a paintbrush or here, here's a hammer. Um, it was never a big deal. So, and you know, my mom always encouraged me as well growing up she was a, a single mom so um it was just her and I uh for majority of my life um and then she was she got remarried um I believe I was like 13 when they married um and so my stepfather now he also was always really handy and <clears throat> in my 20s I became uh really into the art scene in Detroit I, I'm originally from Detroit Michigan and so I, I was really in the art scene there and 
they were just really key in helping me uh, develop and always helping me with installations or um, things that I was building at the time. And I started out building with uh, building kind of refurbishing furniture. So taking furniture that I found and then kind of building on that and then painting furniture. And um, I had a really cool name that I, I thought was really cool was uh, the art of furniture reincarnation. Um, and so I did a couple of different art shows and art galleries throughout Detroit. Um, it was probably in the mid, uh, early to mid nineties into the 2000s, somewhere around there that I did um, a lot of art shows and uh, kind of traveled around Detroit and Michigan and did that. So yeah, my dad um, helped me with a lot of those and kind of taught me how to use the big power tools. And again, he was, he never discouraged me. He had one of those really scary craftsmen uh, table saws with no guards or anything. It was really tiny. And he would just say, okay, just put it on there. You just push it through. And um, like, all right, I'm just, okay, we're doing this now, you know? And so there was never like that hesitation, you know, um, growing up. Um, and then once I got older and, you know, purchased my first house, it was uh, the same as like a lot of us makers, you know, we, we want things that we necessarily can't necessarily afford right then. And we're like, wait, I can totally make that, you know? So that whole idea has always stuck in my head again, like where I'm like, why would I pay $2,000 for this bed? I totally make that, you know, for, you know, $200 or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> that's where have, I'm you, at now. <laughs> have you always felt like a pull towards working with wood versus, you know, like you said, you got into the art scene. Was there any other mediums that you really enjoyed working with? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do, I still like painting. Um, I don't do it as often as I would like to. Um, now it's a matter of just time. Um, so that that the aspect of like what should what's going to come first you know but every once in a while I still pull out my brushes and, and I like to paint um, and um, I've you know dabbled in a little bit of welding um, it's just having the room to have everything that I want to do um, but no I mean mostly what stuck was the woodworking like um, I found that I just I really like that it was it was so much more accessible the time too and then there was that need to like build furniture really you know um but yeah I mean I would guess painting would be like the second one um that I would that I really like doing okay um so can you talk a little bit around like so is this a uh you're making now uh with your woodworking now is it uh strictly like for hobby is it um a business uh, making things for others, you know, or are you building content around it? Kind of what, what is making for you now? Um, right now, I, I, I guess I'm leaning more towards, I want to make it into a business. Um, but I'm on that line of where it's still my son and my family come first. Um, so right now I struggle with that time management idea you know of like I don't want to take away from the family but I want to build this business so um I do love I just really love making things for people uh versus making content um I like I enjoy making creating content for like for Instagram um but after going to like WorkbenchCon and uh the Haven Conference like I realize I don't know that I can put the time 
into being like a YouTuber. Um, as much as I really do love uh, teaching people, like I just don't know that I can dedicate that much time right now. So right now I'd love to, I like building stuff. It's awesome to get paid for it. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at making smaller things that I can sell that I can make in between, you know, the, the being the mom and the wife, right? Like, um, but also like getting into more of the bigger bills. Now that my son is in school, this is the first year that he's been in school full time. Um, I've had a little bit more time during the day where I can like now start to think about how I build that business um, and how I start to make bigger builds and, you know, how do I put a website together and do I keep an Etsy page? Um, so there's all of that stuff now that I have more time for. Um, but again, I still struggle with that time management and it's, uh, it was still really, um, it was a little hard for me too once he went full time just because I've been with him for, you know, five years, like having him with me every day. So I struggled with that at first, like being home alone and like my buddy not being with me, you know, and um, like, what do I do, you know? Uh, but right now, like, yeah, I, I really want to develop the business side and I'd like to start making bigger builds for people and kind of get better at my skills with that, like with the joinery and with um, designing and um, yeah so and and then also just making really accessible things as well that that um, that you know someone might want for their home. So do you uh, already or maybe have plans for like do you do like the craft show art show type circuit too with um, some of your smaller items or um, is so it all online right now? Right now it's all online. I've been actually, I think, really fortunate that I can, that like most of my sales come from Instagram. And I mean, it's not a lot, you know, I'm not, you know, no one's quitting their day job here, right? <laughs> like I'm not supporting, able to support yet, but it's, it's, um, it's really like me being able to come up with something and then, you know, putting it on Instagram. And then I suddenly like, people are excited about it and want to buy it. Um, and then I'm scrambling of like, okay, do I put this on my website? Do I just like see how this goes through, you know, direct messages and, and things like that. But um, to me, I feel really fortunate that I haven't had to spend too much time trying to create an inventory and go somewhere to a craft show, because again, that would take away from my family time. So I, I don't want to go that route yet. Um, uh, I, I'd like to try it maybe one or two here and there, but um, I also don't, want to carry an inventory in my house you know I think that's really tough to like is this going to sell you know are these you know 100 cutting boards that I made you know are they going to sell and, um, but so so right now I just I kind of make something and put it out there um, if it sells awesome if it doesn't you know it's content then I can like that I can create around that you know I can show how I did something or make a video or and then either post it to my website or to my Etsy page, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, I haven't done any uh, craft shows. I've done pop-up shops. And especially mm -hmm. as a woodworker, like, A, all of that stuff is heavy <laughs> to haul around, yeah, right. you know? Um, and you're exactly right. I mean, then you have to have at least some level, even if it's a small level, but some level of inventory to take with you to that stuff yeah. and, and what do you do with that inventory in the in-between 
Right. So yeah, totally, totally understand that. Um, so did the whole like selling through Instagram just kind of like, was that ever your goal or did that just happen? Like you said, like you, you made something, put it up and then people had interest in it. Yeah. It, um, it just kind of happened. And I, I don't remember what, I think like the real, when I realized that it was, it could be a thing was, um, was when I created custom push sticks, right? Like anybody can make a push stick. Um, but I had a CNC and I hadn't really seen people do that where they were, you know, offering to put someone else's logo on a push stick. So that was kind of the first idea. I, I got so many of those orders um, and, it, and it was great. Um, but for me then, like it wasn't a goal that I had set out originally. It's just something that I saw that started to happen. And, you know, the makers in this community are so generous and they are always so willing to help other makers, which I think is amazing, you know, um, because, you know, once they see that idea, you can, you can do that yourself. Like anybody, again, then they can make their own custom push stick with their own logo. Uh, but the, then it became, I, I feel like they wanted me to make it, you know? Um, so it, it then became a goal, I guess, for me to get to that 10,000 mark and Instagram, you know, the, the whole unlock that Easter egg of, of getting the swipe up. Um, I think that was really my only goal. Once I just, once I realized that I was getting more orders for, you know, became push sticks and mallets and then mouth squares and things that were like customized. Right. Um, then I was like that, that's going to be my goal because then I can add a swipe up feature for people to go directly to that link to purchase. Right. Um, I, I've made other small things, uh, too, where, um, was it the, I made like a faux river, epoxy river with like a little succulent. Um, and that was really huge. Like I actually sold a couple of them. I didn't realize that I would, um, but I got people from all over the U.S. and really all over the world. Like I sold one to, I think he was a sheik in Dubai. Um, he had me ship it to Ohio because I'm like, I can't ship to Dubai. Um, but is this guy, this a sheik that, that uh, races these fancy cars and he just loved that little epoxy uh, plant. So um, yeah, I, I shipped it to him and he sent me photos and that's when I realized like, wow, this is really something that I should kind of start to, uh, you know, really focus on. Um, and so I tried to like, you know, stylize things that I think might sell or make sure that my, you know, my page, my bio page looks, you know, decent enough that people are going to want to like scroll through and see things um, from all over the world. So um, yeah, never really was set out to be my goal, but now it is, I guess. Okay. So because I'm someone who's trying to chase that whole uh, Easter egg of the 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I know that a lot of the maker moms listening are also trying to reach that goal. Do you have any tips or tricks that you felt like really worked for you um, to get there? Um, I think the biggest, the, you know, the biggest thing is just be consistent. Um, And so it's, it's kind of consistent across the board. What I realized it was, you know, not only making sure that your landing page, your, where your bio is, and you can see kind of your feed 
making sure those photos are all clear on what you do and they're consistent on what you're kind of offering if it's your business page. I mean, it's different if it's your personal page. You put whatever you want. You know, you put your kids, your, your dogs, but this is your business. People want to, you want someone to go there and I guess you have to look at it as if you were shopping or, or, or looking for that sort of thing, right? They're going to find you through, you know, hashtags or um, maybe a, a referral or things like that. So once they get to your page, like making sure that those photos all look consistent, they're clean. Um, if you are using filters, make sure those filters look bright and clean. Everybody loves, if you look at some of like the, the successful um, home decor Instagram pages, their photos are all super bright and white and clean, right? And you want to look at them and you're like, oh, I want that in my life. Um, so like being consistent on that level, being consistent on when and what you post. Um, so if you are posting a product or you want people to buy your product, making sure that you post those products in the finished, like the glamour shots, right? Um, and then also if you want other makers or you want to make sure people know what you do, like then post your processed photos. But, you know, again, keeping them looking really clear, clean and, and consistent. Um, and then, you know, when you post, I guess the algorithm really loves when you post at least twice a day. Um, if you can post more than that, that's a thing too. Um, I don't know if that's so much so. I found that if I post at least once a day, um, then I, I it, it feels like I get more of like the follows and likes. Um, they stay at at that same level. Um, before I hit 10K, I was really trying like the videos. We all know like videos do really well. Time lapse videos do really well. And then again, posting consistently, you know, like the one to two times a day. Um, as far as that, like I think that's really it. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. I think now it's more work than if you. If you're like new to Instagram now, I feel like it's more work for a lot of the smaller accounts um, to get noticed and to get into that algorithm. So, you know, it's posting to your stories and, and posting to your, you know, to your feed once or twice a day, but um, really just staying consistent with it and staying on it. It's like having a part-time job. <laughs> it is. It totally <laughs> is. Um, so did you put a lot of, like, did you do a lot of research behind this or was it kind of trial and error seeing what worked? Um, I mean, I don't, I'm assuming here that you probably listen to Made for Profit, but I don't know if you do. And they talk a lot about Instagram, but like, is there resources that you found helpful in figuring that out or did it, or was it just trial and error and fig figuring that out? Um, originally, I did listen to Made for Profit um, and I think they're great. Like the, some of the earlier episodes were, super helpful I don't know again it was so it was what a year ago maybe a year and a half ago I don't know how relevant it is now those episodes because Instagram is constantly changing and I I know that they still stay up with it um, I I don't really listen to them anymore um, but you know with talking with other makers I think building that community and um, you know you kind of learn what things are working um, I have a few other Instagram makers that I, that we exchange, you know, ideas with, or um, maybe help with that. Like, Hey, what, are, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, but a lot of it is trial and error. And a lot of it is just like, if you're on Instagram and you're 
you're following somebody and you're like, holy crap, they're doing really well. Like, what are they doing? And you start looking at what they're doing. Well, they're posting three times a day and they're posting, you know, um, at least one of those photos has some kind of human element into that photo, which again, people love that aspect as well, right? The, the algorithm likes that as well. Um, or maybe they're, they're on their stories every day, um, you know, talking about their process or posting the IGTV. Like really, you know, the, the, the big, I guess the big, um, I don't know if it's like a secret or whatever, but Instagram wants you to stay in their app all day, every day. So the more you do that, and the more you engage with Instagram, whether it's in your stories, your DMs, your, you know, your posting or your liking, your commenting, you're creating that community and staying in the app, they will start to put you in that algorithm more. So that's kind of what I realized. And I guess it was some research. Um, I also, I, I wanted to stay really authentic with it too. Um, I didn't, uh, um, I didn't want to become like, I'm just going to do this like kind of like a robot and just to get there. Um, so, but, but yeah, you know, once I decided that 10,000 10, was, my goal, like, of course, I did research, and I tried to, to keep it as authentic as I could as for me, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not a big story person, um, I don't, you know, show my face too much, um, but, you know, posting my process, and, and, and talking about it and showing, like, the glamour shots and things, like, I like that kind of stuff, you know, so just being consistent with that, and, and um, uh, going, coming from that route versus, you know, doing the whole time-lapse video every day. And, you know, there are certain things that people were doing to like get to that 10 K. And um, I think, you know, once you figure out what works for you and you stay again, stay consistent with it, you'll get there, you know, it's just a matter of how fast. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with all of those things and I just know I like personally, you know, I struggle and probably the biggest struggle I have is trying not to compare to like, okay, this person just joined Instagram three months ago. I've been on here for two years and they're already at like 15 K and like, yeah. you know, trying not to let that kind of, uh, discourage me, um, from what I am doing. So I started focusing more on like, okay, maybe I have about 3,500 followers, but most of them like really engage with me and I'd right. I'd rather have that than have 10,000 and like only know a couple of those followers. Like, yeah, I'd rather have the community and like really, um, yeah, really build something around it. That's real versus, you know, reaching these huge numbers and not knowing anybody or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard when we, we're always on the app, right? Like looking at other things and you see what um, what other people are putting out there and, and, and how they're putting things out there, right? Like first it's like what they're putting out there and you're like, wait, that's what they do? And then you see how they're putting out, they're like, oh, that's how they're getting it, right? Like, and we all know like there's different ways to get followers. But again, like, is that what we really want? Like a, a lot of us, I think, get really hung up on the number and but it's, it's tough, you know, when, when you're trying to build a business and you see, like, like you said, there's, you know, three months go by and this person's at, you know, 15, 20,000 and you're like, wait, come on, like, what am I doing? But you don't know what they're doing and how they're running their, 
Instagram, right? Like we've all heard of how people buy followers. And, and to me, I could care less. Like if that's how you want to get your followers, um, then so be it. Um, if you want to get your followers by, you know, not wearing much clothing, then, then that's another way that you can get your followers. If you want to do it by a giveaway, like, you know, there's some makers that they came in, you know, like gangbusters, like just giving stuff away. Um, and now they're at, you know, a hundred thousand or whatever, you know, they're, they're at this high number. And it's like, well, I don't want to just give a bunch of stuff away either, you know? Um, so it's just, it's tough, but I think at the end of the day, like it's, it's, what do you want to, to show? And like, how, you know, are you proud of what you're putting out there? You know, is, are, are you really proud of it? And I mean, that's, that's where I look at it from, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, like you said, that authentic piece, right? You've got to be real to you because otherwise you, A, you can't maintain it or keep it up mm -hmm. if you're not being real about it. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit of shop. Um, okay. So what was the first tool you had in your own shop? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, first tool, I think, I think it was, you know, back in early, oh God, I'm going to date myself here. I think it was early 2000. I think that's when I bought my first house. Um, I was in my early 20s and I bought when Ryobi was still blue like the blue and yellow I bought like their giant kit for like it was like an $800 kit that I got on sale right for like 300 bucks and it had you know the circular the tiny circular saw and the, the giant um, drill and impact driver and they were so heavy um, and it came with everything I needed to like be a DIY warrior, you know? <laughs> um, so that was probably, that was my first set that I purchased on my own. Um, and it lasted years. I actually, I actually just sold it, I think two years ago at a yard sale for like the whole kit. I had everything, like the bag still and everything. Um, and ba I had brand new batteries that, that uh, again, still it worked great. Um, but I sold it for like 50 bucks. <laughs> and made this guy super happy like he didn't have any tools so I was really happy um but yeah that's that's where I started um were you ever intimidated by a tool um I think I'm always like initially in intimidated by every tool like I think every time I go into the shop I'm I'm a little bit intimidated um they're you know, you have to be on your game when, you know, I don't care like what people say. Um, you know, I think there has to be a little bit of like, um, there has to be a little bit there, right? Like a little bit of that intimidation every time you, you know, plug in your miter saw, like I went from having a, you know, 10 inch Ryobi for years to like, now I have a 12 inch Bosch glide. Like there's a lot of power in that, you know? So I think every time, you know, even that, even I, I have a really safe, uh, table saw now I have a soft stop but every time I power it up like there's going to be a little bit of intimidation but um, I've never been afraid to try any of the tools uh, not that I can think of like nothing's ever like I was never like oh you know I don't want to try that um, to me like I love like machinery and 
tools and um, I like figuring out how to, you know, make things with tools. I like when processes are easier. So like specialty tools, like I think are really cool. Um, I want to enjoy the time that I have in the shop and enjoy making things. So if there's a tool out there that will make it easier and make me happier making, then I want it. You know, I want to try it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like every time there's a little, like a little bit of a, an intimidation, but, but nothing that's like too scary. <laughs> like a, a good dose of healthy fear. What I, that's yeah, what I call it. Exactly. It's a healthy fear and you need to keep that. Otherwise that's when you start losing digits or appendages. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So what do you think is like your favorite, like go-to tool? Like you might die if you didn't have this tool in your shop. Oh, wow. Um, I might die. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many. They're like all my little babies, right? Um, I, you know, I love, ever since I got my track saw, like, I love having a track saw. Like, I think, I wish I would have gotten that sooner. Um, that would probably be the tool that I miss the most. It, it makes shop time, like, so much easier and quicker. Um, and, and I feel safer. Like, you know, I always use a circular saw I have, and I still have a, uh, like I have a big DeWalt circular saw and, and up until, you know, I think two years ago, uh, when I got my track saw, I used the DeWalt all the time. I made, you know, jigs for it and things like that. Um, but having that track saw and just being able to cut that clean line every time and, um, you know, it, it can go with you anywhere. Like it's just, it, it's been really nice to have uh what brand of track saw do you have do you have the big the big one the festool or um another another brand uh no i have festool it's the ps55 so it's not the big big one but it's uh right. yeah it's, uh, it's the festool. so you went all in on the uh buy once cry once method of uh <laughs> i did i'm a huge fan of that now like you know, coming from like, uh, literally like, you know, DIY, like use whatever you have, which I think is a great way to start. Um, <clears throat> I got into Festool through the Sanders. Um, and uh, I think that is like, it's like the, the gateway drug into like Festool and just having nicer, good quality tools. Um, so yeah, it's, they're not cheap, but you know, if this is something that you really want to do and you, and you know, you're going to do it for a long time. And, you know, for me, it was important, like having, um, a, a, having my son, like I also came from the aspect of like, I want to be able to hand these down to him. Um, you know, so that is also in the back of my mind of when I purchase tools now, um, you know, the, the idea of like, I can give this to him if I want to sell it, the resale value is higher. Um, so, and then just enjoy, again, enjoying using that tool while I'm out there instead of struggling or trying to figure out, you know, a jig for it or, or, you know, how I can make it work for me. Like just being able to have that tool. Like I feel really fortunate that, that I do have the tools that I have. Yeah. Um, not going to lie. I have best tool envy. I don't have any, I don't have any Fez tool products right now in my shop. Um, but they're definitely, you know, one of the things at the top of my list that, uh, 
someday, right? One of those someday <laughs> dreams, like yeah. when I hit the lottery, that will probably be what I do. Just <laughs> go out and re-equip my shop with Fez tool stuff. But um, <laughs> I think uh, you can, they're really kind of accessible when it, when you think about like, you know, Craigslist or Facebook marketplace, like that's actually where I got a lot of my tools. Um, you know, again, they hold their value. They, the quality is good. So you don't really have to worry about those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, that it was very like, true. I, yeah. Yeah. I saved my money and then just when it's go time, it's go, you know, you have it and you know, you know, like you, I had a list of what I wanted to buy. Um, so yeah, it's, they're out there. They're hard to find, but they're out there. You can get them. Was it, yeah, they're a little hard to find because, like you said, they're good quality. So once people buy them, they <laughs> right. they hang on to them. I mean, right. you, know, you might be prying them out of somebody else's like dead relative's hand by the time you leave. Right. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so what is on your, like you said, you have a list. So what's on your list for tools that, like, man, you just really want to have that um, that you're kind of saving up for right now? Well, I would really love a jointer. Like, my dream would be a, a, uh, an A3 hammer, which is the jointer um, planer combo. It's, like, I would love, like, a 12-inch or bigger. I don't have a jointer right now, so that would be like that's the goal right now. Saving for something like that, um, and yeah, yeah, and jointers are pricey. Yeah. They are, especially like <laughs> if you get like a nicer, you know, yeah. like the six-inch one is I think cool to start, but again, like I'd rather just keep saving and. Yeah, I mean, I I've always looked at those like I think I would outgrow them too quickly like right. the type of things I use um, because for me jointers are not just about like doing the edges but you know I'm like I really want to joint one face so that I can plane exactly. it and get that flat uh, parallel surface and six inches wide is not very wide no, um, right. <laughs> and so yeah. I mean personally I I'm like I'm I'm holding up for like the grizzly 16 inch like yeah. jointer that's that's what's on my list but that's yeah. thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Unless again, some like cabinet shop or something is like going out of business and then maybe you could like, you know, manage to get some of those big tools for cheap or true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheaper. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So how do you manage? I mean, you're especially you're, you know, a stay at home mom. And I know you said your son's like in school full time right now, though summer is coming very quickly. Um, <laughs> so how do you manage, you know, uh, being an active mom and, and bake and maker and trying to, uh, like you said, trying to make this into more of a business? Um. You know, it's it, it'll be interesting to see this year, right? Like, this will be my first year where I'm going to truly be juggling the two. Um, right now, I'm I'm pretty much booked uh, about a month out. So, uh, for for really kind of any project now, like even my smaller stuff, I'm I'm booked for about a month out, which which is it's great. It's great to be able to say that. Um, but on the other hand, like you said, summer's coming. What am I going to do? <laughs> um, luckily, my son likes to be outside and my shop is in my garage. So there's that. He doesn't mind, you know, playing around uh, the, you know, 
when I'm out there. Um, or, or I also have a shop in my basement. So um, that, that idea, I think he's okay with that. Um, but, you know, being an only child, like I'm his friend, you know? <laughs> so uh, it'll, it'll be interesting, I think, to see. But I think, um, you know, there's a camp that he, go, he loves to go to. He, he went last year. So it, it'll give me a couple hours. So I think my, the new thing for me will be like managing that. So like trying to figure out, um, you know, how, I guess, you know, what days he's going to go and then those will be my shop time and things like that. And then of course, like, you know, that late night hustle of doing things late at night. So that'll be the other thing. But, um, and then, you know, the weekends, I'm pretty good to, uh, to work in the shop, you know, on Saturday and Sunday. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's just going to be kind of things will be shifted around just a little bit, but, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I do worry about it just a little bit. I try not to think about it too much because I still have a couple <laughs> months. <but. laughs> it, still, it still worries me, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you'll figure it out, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite part about being a maker? Um, I think the creativity, like being able to have that, the, the, the creative side of it you know of um, most of the time and most of the people that I work with they want my input on that it's not just like here's a photo of this this is what I want um, you know it's more of like here's a photo this is kind of what I'm looking for like you know can you make this you know or um, that's probably my favorite of just having that creativity and then again like working with like tools and figuring out how to make things with you know different machinery different tools um, that that idea too is pretty pretty exciting awesome uh so here's a tougher question what's your favorite part about being a mom oh man that is a tough question i think just watching how happy my son is like being with him and like watching him grow and um just become this like little person right like it's so amazing like I'm always like why aren't other people like why aren't my friends over here watching him grow too you know like this is so amazing like just watching him play with Legos and and figuring you know problem solving like trying to figure out is he going to be an architect like he loves building like these giant towers or you know is he going to be some kind of engineer he's so great with these things but um yeah just I think I think being a part of that and, and knowing that, you know, it's, he's a little bit of a part of me. So, um, yeah, I think that's so exciting to watch, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So have there been any, um, challenges or hurdles you feel like you've faced, um, being a, an, a woman in a more, you know, traditionally male dominated, uh, field? Um, you know, I think that's, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I haven't, you know, honestly, like, you know, nothing outside of like, I guess maybe a few years ago, like, where, you know, walking into a, a Rockler, like the old curmudgeon guys, you know, that work there, like, you want this, you know, so I think it's all on who you deal with. Um, 
sometimes I get really tired of that question just because I feel like, you know, it's 2019, like, are we really still there? And maybe I live in, obviously I live in this bubble, but I, I feel like I've been really fortunate. I live in a big city, um, you know, where I don't really get that a lot anymore. Um, and, but it, it happens, you know, I'm not saying like, it's all, you know, awesome. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I think for me, I just choose to just move on, you know? Um, but I feel like the Instagram community is where I kind of, I, I kind of hide out there the most because, everyone there is really supportive you know we don't have a lot of trolls on there that are you know saying things i know there's a lot out there in, in on you know the youtube um aspect like you know i hear from a couple of my friends that, that do youtube and it's like they'll send me some of the comments and i'm just blown away like by what people write um but i don't do that like i don't i'm not in that world so i don't see it um so yeah, but I, I think it's, you know, it's also what you put out there, you know, I think a lot of um, makers struggle with it, maybe where they shop or, or who or what they're putting out there in their Instagram and then they, what they get back. I, I don't know, but I feel maybe I'm really fortunate that I haven't had too much of, too much of that uh, difference, you know, like being a woman here, like I, I, I feel like I get uh, respected, you know, mm-hmm. happy with it. Yeah, no, I I agree that especially on Instagram, I think the community community there is great um, and supportive. Um, yeah, across the board. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what do you hope that your son uh, learns from you know watching you be a maker and and now watching you kind of turn this into a business? Um, I mean, I hope he he. I hope he wants to make stuff, you know, and, and learn kind of that. I Like the idea of like, I you always hear people talking now, I think really about uh, like the trade dying and, and there's such a, a need for people to go into the trade world. Um, and I, I feel like being a maker, that's kind of part of it. So um, I want him to be able to know that he can, problem solve you know everyday things you know whether it's you know building something that he wants because he can't afford it or you know whatever or building something just because he thinks he can he came up with it and designed it in his head you know um and yeah i think as a the business part of it like seeing me be successful and knowing that he can do that as well you know he can be whatever he wants you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, what would be your advice to a mom who wants to tackle a new skill, such as making or DIY or crafting, and is hesitant uh, to kind of take that leap? Um, my I, my advice would first just, I think it's easy to say to just do it, right? To to uh, women or anyone, um, moms, especially, I think it's easy to just say to do it, but I I feel like the easiest way would be to, um, like figure out what you want to do first and and do a little bit of research on it and then find that community that's going to help you get there. Whether again, it's on Instagram, which I believe is a really great, um, community for help and, you know, getting people started and, 
and dishing out advice, right? Like I think everyone there is, is really great, but if that's not the route, then find that local community that's going to help you. You know, there's tons of classes everywhere to show you how to make things and YouTube's also really great. But I feel like once you know what you want to do as a maker, then a little bit of research um, and then reaching out to find the people that, that can help you get there. Um, you know, other than just saying like, just do it, just get out there and do it. You're going to make mistakes. Like we all know that, but you know, I think it starts with like doing a little bit of research and knowing what exactly what you want to do. Cause you know, if you want to weld, you're not going to go out and buy <laughs> a bunch of tools, right. And just do it. Um, you're going to have to take a class or, you know, go online mm. and see how people are doing that. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Alma, how can people find out more about you uh, and follow along with you? Where can people go? Uh, I am on Instagram at uh, Pink Soul Studios, and I have a website. It's uh, pretty easy as well, pinksoulstudios.com. Um, so those of you would be the, the easiest ways to find me. I'm on Facebook as well, but I'm not as active on Facebook as I really would like to be, again, you know, managing all these different uh platforms is gets a little little rough but yeah instagram and my website would be the easiest way to find me okay awesome and i'll make sure that i include those in the show notes so people can do that if they're not already following along with you um and thanks for taking the time with me today yeah absolutely it was fun yeah all right so again that was alma with pink soul studios i really enjoyed talking with her um i think she had some super great tips on instagram if any of you are looking to also kind of hit that big uh, milestone mark of getting 10,000 followers i think she provided a lot of good insight into that so i hope you got something to take away from that as much as i did um and as always i will include all the ways to follow along with alma in the show notes www.makermompodcast.com Dot com. Don't worry when you see it redirect you to Freeman Furnishings homepage. Just look to the upper left hand corner, hit podcast, and that will take you right to the show notes for this episode and all of the previous episodes. So in the meantime, till next week, I will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.